are listening to Video Games to the Max. Hello and welcome to another edition of Video Games to the Max. I'm your host, Sean Gomery, and here with me, as usual, Mr. Mark Morrison. Howdy. And, well, we have quite a few things to talk about here. I got some more uh, Sea of Stars to talk about. Uh, my adventure with, thought I was going to like Starfield and then not. Uh, Mark has uh, been playing Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. And we also got a big controversy with game developers and the Unity engine deciding to start charging fees for installs, which that's already been backtracked once. Let's see how we get any more backtracking after today. Uh, Embracer is continuing its fire sale and considering selling Gearbox. And we have a more Square Enix with their another game that doesn't meet expectations and a lot more. So let's go ahead and get the housekeeping out of the way here rather quickly. Uh, if you you know enjoy the show and this is your hundred time listening or it's your first time listening or watching, uh, whether you watch live when we do this on Wednesday afternoons or you watch on demand, which is most people, you can enjoy that continuously by subscribing on our YouTube channel, WTO Network. You can subscribe, ring the bell, follow all that, follow on Twitch as well, and you'll get whenever we do a show. But, of course, what's great about the network is that not only do you get what we do here, you get the route and broadcasting folks stuff, which is pretty much like anytime there's a big TV show or a movie that is just released, they pretty much have the review pretty quickly right after. So you'll definitely want to uh, make sure you subscribe for that. That's some of the best stuff that's on the channel, along with our stuff. Uh, the Deuce Season 1 review, the last thing they, they did for TV Party Tonight. They also did the Black Mirror Season 6 review, as well as the movies kind of start to wind down from the summer. Uh, there's not that one hit right after the other that we were getting for a while there. And, you know, you also have our uh, Todd the Cakey, our anime show. Uh, they have been. They didn't do one this week, but they're pretty consistent about reviewing all the new stuff that comes out each week. So if you like watching new anime seasonally, that's a, a great show to go check out. And then, of course, if you want to go just listen with your ears on podcasts, you could do so as well. Just search for Video Games to the Max for us, Voucher Broadcasting for all the stuff they do, Tatakeki on any podcast thing that's available, and you can do that and and get whenever we do a show there so moving along to start the episode so my adventure with starfield goes like I, i'm gonna bring up the point that bethesda games are not my jam usually i've tried all of them several times you know skyrim uh fallout 4 uh fallout 3 fallout new vegas all that and could i get somewhat going and then it just it wouldn't jive with me um and the same things happen with starfield i think part of my thing with starfield is that the ship part of it is fun like building the ship and doing all that stuff uh can it but, beat the gummy ship <laughs> <laughs> yes uh but i don't like the fact that everything feels like it's just a menu right and like you're not really taking the ship there you're just hitting a button going there and then a lot of the planets feel kind of like there's not a lot of things on there. I know that there's these big hub cities where a lot of things happen. Maybe I need to kind of keep giving it a little bit of a go here and there. But it 
it doesn't help that I have this game that totally is my jam, uh, that keeps calling my name in Sea of Stars. So I kind of gravitated over to something that I would rather play and kind of left Starfield off and didn't keep playing. Um, like I, I said, it's not, yeah, go ahead. Fly to sit, fly to like planets. Like it's not like, oh, I just fast travel between planets. I mean, well, but you're not really, you're fast traveling for the most part. You're not really like, it. it is a bunch of menus. Right. Um, so that's the thing that kind of just bothers me. And then you get on the planet and because it's all, a lot of it's procedurally generated, uh, you know, you don't know really what you're going to get there. A lot of the stuff, I mean, there's, the missions are fine. The shooting is good. Uh, all that stuff. I think I, I enjoyed that part. Like I said, it's just something that I might kind of like slowly go to when i don't have other things that i'd rather play to especially when we get to the end of the year stuff when we're just kind of playing games that we know we need to play more to to talk about them for game of the year and things like that that might be when i really kind of dive into starfield and say okay let me give this a real shot let me see if i find something that kind of hooks me but so far i kind of haven't and hey look for the people that have really enjoyed that game and are are, it's their game of the year and stuff that's awesome. I love that. I love hearing stuff like that. Um, there are people that kind of feel like me, though, that it didn't really grab them also. Uh, so we'll definitely see as, you know, this release lineup keeps going. Liza P is coming out. They already got reviews out right now. It comes out next week. That's one of the games we'll I'll talk about when we talk about games coming out. You know, that that's already coming. We got some other games already hitting. So this is going to be fast and furious for the rest of the till December. Uh, we'll see how that goes. But I am enjoying Sea of Stars a lot. Um, the story still kind of hasn't gone anywhere where I'm at, but uh, I love I love the characters. That battle system got even more things added to it since the last time I'd played it. So it's it just feels like every time they add something, it just makes the game more fun. And I love the little, there's a little story moment where you get the reunion with that uh, character that I talked about before, like your little companion that's not a solstice warrior. And the way that he interacts with you when he comes back is such a cool, fun moment. Uh, I like that. I don't know how many more of those moments there are in this uh, story, but if they're kind of, there's more like that, then I'm definitely going to enjoy it. But I am really enjoying the doing battles and getting the combos and having to be active because they can you can minimize and maximize damage and stuff like that and then they added a system where you can boost kind of like uh, octopath traveler where you get like magic orbs that come out of enemies when you attack them and then you can decide if you want to boost immediately or you can wait and and get all three and boost one character so he can do a super powerful attack it's uh I love that. I love that it, they added nuance to the combat. So uh that's that's great. And it's gonna keep me wanting to come back and hopefully I will be able to progress more uh in this week coming. Uh other than that, just kinda had a lot of things going on to take up my time. So that's especially having to work a lot and all that stuff. But Mark, you've been uh playing some things. How's that you weren't a big fan of Breath of the Wild, so how is your Time with Tears of the Kingdom is it any different? It, it's continuing. <laughs> it's continuing. Uh, okay. it, it, I, I can really recognize that it's like a well-made game, uh, but like, yeah, it's not grabbing me. And I'm like ten hours in. I actually just completed like one of the main temples, the Wind Temple. 
and at the earlier Zelda games, like, really provided you, like, you're in a room, and you have to figure out how to get out of it, or, you know, get progress, and it's pretty clear what, what to do. This one and Breath of the Wild aren't like that at all. Like, the game is not handholdy at all. Like, there's no Navi equivalent, essentially. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm just... def- definitely it assumes that you played the other one and then also that you're going to just grab this. I've heard people get stuck in the tutorial part for really? a long while, figuring out how to get to where that first temple is. Well, I'm not even sure if it's like the first temple. I, you know, I'm kind of doing things out of like there's no set order or anything. It's just right. like, what are these four temples? Or, uh, the game has not, it's not stable or it's not 100% great. Like, it's it's pretty impressive that you know you can go from like this the sky to the ground uh, pretty seamlessly, but when it hitches up, it hitches up pretty bad. Like I've had it like kind of freeze for a few seconds here and there, and I'm okay. <laughs> That ain't cool. <laughs> like, yeah, I can see where why does it why, run pretty well. I mean, I mean, aside from that, yeah. Uh, oh man, though, a tutorial like having to do like when you do the shrines, so those are usually fine. Right. But like having to go through the dumbass animation of like talking to like the statues at the end constantly, and they say the same thing. Like, thank God there's a skip button. I would have, I would have stopped this game like three hours ago. I'm. I had the cart version because I actually got the the collector's version. So I'm playing like the original. I could. I haven't patched the game up at all. So there's a, a, a few pretty fun item duplication bugs. So I have like a ton of money now, and that helped. Yeah. Uh yeah. You have different powers than in Breath of the Wild. Uh the four main ones. You have like, you know, the gravity gun, or you have, you know, you can manipulate objects. Uh one is like you can fuse objects together. Right. Uh, which is strange. Um, well, isn't one is that part of the building stuff? Is no, it's like for weapons and like your okay. your shields and stuff. It's like okay, I have this ruby and the sword. Now I can fuse them together, and now I have a ruby sword. And say, like, all right, run it. One is like a rewind feature, so it's like I'm playing Blinks the Time Sweeper, and <laughs> uh, the last is oh yeah, you can like. If you're underneath something, you can like jump between like you basically like jump up and go and like phase between the object. Like let's say there's like a, a platform above you, you can like go through the platform and like come out the other side. Right. But it's highly situational and a little finicky. Like it kind of works, but yeah, like it's just like I'm just reading guides constantly because the game doesn't tell you anything or i mean it has a tutorial but it's like i know cooking is a big part of this game how do i cook and some some of the ui is just terrible like to cook to cook food it's like go in the menu hold the food and you can hold up to five ingredients and then you put it in the pot and it's like why can't i just press a at the pot and select ingredients from like that menu or what should be that menu you know like, why do I have to hold objects? Like, that seems really weird. And, you know, there's still item durability. Uh, it seems easier than the last game. Like, I'm not nearly as frustrated with this one, at least so far. And it's funny, like, that they added Zelda voiceover. And she talks to Link. I mean, you're trying to, like, find her. But, like, in the intro, she's talking to Link. And other characters talk to Link. And, you know, Link is just mute. 
and it's like yo give it's time to give link a voice you know <laughs> like yeah i heard a lot of people talking about that like is that is this finally the game that it kind of says well they do it uh, because it's like zelda's having like a one-sided conversation you know she's like responding to link but link doesn't say anything so it's like what the fuck is going on here you know maybe yeah, maybe that's... that's i mean maybe that's part of the uh the canon of zelda is link is always mute you know <laughs> yes it is but because he's supposed to represent like you as the right. player yeah he's the link between you and and the world that's there but if, if i don't Sadly, Charlie Murphy has passed away. Otherwise, he'd be a great Link voice. I mean, it's fine, and I'm going to keep playing it uh, kind of out of obligation, but I'm not having fun. <laughs> you know, that's like the weird, like, it's like the weirdest thing is I can, I can really see why this game is popular, but it's completely not grabbing me at all, except for like very specific. It's like, oh, I, I figure something out on my own. That's, that's cool. Uh, and it almost kind of reminds me of like Elden Ring in a weird sense. Like you got this big ass open world and like bo- like boss it's gonna spawn out of nowhere. It's like all right, I but you decent. loved Elden Ring, so yeah. But that game had like good combat mechanics and was was enjoyable. Yes, the combat from everybody that I've had on that talked about this game when it first came out, the combat was the number one. I don't like the combat in this game. Yeah, uh, and if you're one of those folks that you know survival games or or well you like those a little I like bit, some but... but i mean it it really depends you know it has to have good mechanics and i'm not 100 percent sold on a lot of mechanics in this game <laughs> yeah a lot of a lot of the you know f- things that people enjoyed are like exactly what you said the whole oh my god i can make anything really right and i can literally build a bridge to solve almost anything that i want to and it's like yeah, I can see how people would really like that if you're into that. But if you're not, yeah, yeah, that's the problem. Is I'm not, you know, I'm just built. I'm just watching guides and like the shrines. It's like, okay, how do I get through this and get the get the treasure if I can? You know, yeah, not, you're just kind of like making yourself progress through the game. And but, like, yeah. it's funny because there, uh, I mean, there are a bunch of side quests in the game which are pretty okay, but there's one kind of re- reoccurring side quest where this guy is like holding up a sign. And the second he lets go of the sign, it fa- it like falls over. And the goal is like build something so the sign doesn't tip over. And you have to like it has to like stay upright for a few seconds for it to like solidify basically. Yeah. And I'll always buy this guy's construction materials, like boards and planks and crap like that. So I just build like the most like basic ass, you know, stacking like lumber on top of each other so when the thing falls, you know, it doesn't tip over. And I'm sure other people are building like elaborate designs or you know stuff like that it's like i don't care like i just want to get through it <laughs> or you know right. just the simplest solution is probably the best so right i think it's still fine all right i mean it, like i said i'm not having fun i guess i am kind of enjoying my time like that's i was up to like 5 a.m last night playing it <laughs> but yeah uh it, it, yeah it's just like the damnedest thing of like yeah it, like it's not grabbing me at all <laughs> like uh, it, it simultaneously is and isn't, you know? Right. I got the Platinum in uh, Strangers of Paradise also. How was that? It's fine. I just did this one mission over and over, which is just like run through it and get the treasure item and the mission completes. And that's it. Like I know uh, it has, I think it has like three DLC packs or three like DLC. Uh, I'm not going to get Right, yes it does. I, I don't <laughs> care. <laughs> like I'm happy just getting, 
the platinum in the base game. Right, oh, well, that's cool. At least you got the platinum. Yeah. yeah, it only took me like 30 hours. Yeah, it's not uh, bad for a game today. And me and Yins played more of the Ascent, where I mistakenly erased my save game, which was oh, cool. Oh, no. Uh, and, like, I think I was trying to invite him into my game, and I think I clicked, like, new game instead of resume game or something, so I just wiped my save. I'm like, neat. So I joined his game, and he was, like, level 13. I mean, the same level as I was, like, 12 or 13, and I'm one. And I'm getting, like, one shot by everything. But then oh, I eventually... No. I eventually got got good, and now I'm at the same level as he. Like you know, because just really doing doing harder missions, so I, I got a ton of experience. And yeah, that game continues to be janky. It's still fun, but the la- like whenever we play that game, whenever I start it, it goes through every game tutorial and the and the in the menu. Like this is your loadout. This is your augments. You know all this other crap. Yeah. So we played uh, a few nights ago, and it did it. Like I went through most of the tutorials like already, but I hit the armor tutorial, and I clicked close, and it didn't, and it just persisted all the way for. We played like fifteen more minutes, and it had this like everything else was blurry except for the tutorial, and I was still playing the game. Like it, like the game, like heavily fucked up. And I was like, I gotta stop playing because, like, I can't see anything except for this tutorial on the screen that takes up ninety percent of it. So we we came to through the realization that like the three sixty and to slightly lesser extent the PS three had way better online stru- infrastructure than the current consoles, which is sad. Yes, that's because uh... we were lament- he was lamenting that we couldn't play Castle Crashers, and he's like, I know this worked on the three sixty just fine. Why can't it work right. on the P, you know PS5? <laughs> oh, that's so the PlayStation one is not not working. I mean, I assume the three the the Xbox one also is borked, but yeah, I'm gonna have to wait to see if Microsoft even bothers with trying to go back and fix things. Like I doubt it. Call of Duties, right? I mean, Call of Duty is like an actual like popular game, or you right. know, I mean that game was popular for its time, but definitely not you know now. Right. That's all I've been playing. All right. Well, I mean, that's a lot of uh, cool stuff. Um, we, you know, going to be interesting to hear if you feel any different about Zelda in the next few weeks or whatever. Yeah, but... I'll keep chipping away at it. Yep. So let's get into the news here. And there is um, one big controversy that has sprung up in the last, like, Two days yeah. from uh, game developers that Unity has decided that they want to start uh, charging a fee, a royalty fee, basically, at the beginning of next year, January 1st, for any time someone installs their game. And if you have multiple devices, it would count as another install, which seems kind of counterproductive to someone wanting to play something on multiple devices, but oh, who does that? Uh, people, people want to, um, you know, this, this uh, unity wants to charge money. So they're finding ways to do this. So at for, now they backtrack some of this stuff uh, to appease the outcry of game developers. And they have every right to be upset because this is really going to cause an issue of people wanting to use unity at all. Yeah. Um, because even though it's not retroactive, so it's not like, Anything before it's 
installs, I guess, that happened after January 1st is when this would start taking effect. Um, because could you imagine the amount of, if this was all retroactive, the amount of money he would be paying if it was? Uh, if it, so if it was retroactive, Unity, you see that in existence. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, so the thing is that they have a, a code that they have to, basically Unity has to pay to keep up um, and supposedly it's rather expensive, according to uh, the um, I forgot it, the the Unity Create president Mark Witten says that the maintaining the Unity runtime executable is quite expensive, according to him. So anytime you install a game, it runs that executable. So I guess that taxes on to them. So they're trying to push some of those fees onto developers, which would then also push some of that onto the players uh, because as we saw the extreme part of this, which could happen with a lot of games, uh, Cult of the Lambs developer said, go buy that game now because on January 1st, I'm removing it from the store. That's not good, folks. Yeah, You don't want games disappearing from stores because people don't want to pay fees way down the line. Because the thing is, that it's not like they're just going to come and take out money every time this happens. They're going to take it all out in one lump sum after they hit the the amount. So so they have uh, some kind of uh, threshold that you have to hit. So if you're a you made your game with Unity Personal or Unity Plus, which I think they're going to remove the Unity Plus is what they said, and your game made two hundred thousand dollars or more in the previous year and have at least 200,000 lifetime installs, any install after that, they'll start charging you. Uh, and some of this is going to be 20 cents per install. Some of it's going to be 2 cents per install if you have the more expensive Unity Pro and Unity Enterprise, but then it's also a bigger threshold. So if you made it with Unity Pro, Unity Enterprise, I know so this is like a lot of numbers for people. I'm sorry. Uh, you have to. Your game had to have made a million dollars over the past year, and then also uh, have over a million, at least a million installs as well. But the thing is that we know how gamers are, right? At least the the angry ones that we see on social media all the time. Let's say a game isn't good, or comes out not good, or it's some hyped game that gets a controversy or some anything people can then decide that they want to go and delete and reinstall delete reinstall uh run some program that deletes and reinstalls the game over and over uh somebody can can just do a mass thing where everybody buys the game and installs it like it a lot of bad things could happen with this right if you want to give your game away as part of a charity that's a problem Right. If you want to give your game away for free, that's a problem. If you want to put your game in Xbox Game Pass, that's a problem, because well, now Microsoft has to pay for that. The bundle, right. the bundle thing they said, like, oh, if it's in a bundle. Well, the the demo they said it even could do it for demos, but apparently, if the demo, as long as the demo is not in a thing that includes the full game, where it's like early access, then it won't count. But still. Um, charities have to be approved by Unity in order for that to work, so that still sucks. Um, if somebody refunds the game after installing, 
Like, you know, it, it, there's a, still a lot of unknowns that haven't been answered here by Unity. And I assume there's going to be a lot more backtracking still. I yeah. I assume that they are going to completely 180 this or, you yeah. know, and but the damage is already really done. Uh, right. There's a lot of people that are, uh, I think it's um, Thomas Sala, the guy who made Falconeer, an Xbox uh, Series X launch game. He is already like full time committed to Unity. He already has his game in full development on Unity, but he said, man, if you would have came out with this like a year ago, I would have stopped making my game on Unity. Right. Yeah. And a lot of people said they're going to stop using Unity now because they don't want this problem of who knows when you're going to get charged some big ass fee because your game over went over the threshold and you stopped paying attention. Right. Um, the Among Us people, the developer Interslaw, said it would cost me less money to just port my game to another engine. Right. Like, um, it's just, it, it's stupid. It, I don't see, other than benefiting Unity to make extra money, which they say supposedly this is going to result in only 10% of Unity developers ending up having to pay fees. We don't know what 10% that is. And if and if you're affecting the wrong kind of ten percent that aren't cool with paying this, I don't. Well, nobody was cool with paying this, but people that are that this is a big problem for them to pay this, you're going to lose that those indie developers in the future. It's like this is not. I, I don't see um, you know any of the other the engines adopting something like this. Uh, you know, Unreal's tried to actually lessen the amount that they get back from making games because. Why? Because they know that people need to make, you have to make games in order for the game industry to continue to thrive and be a thing, right? Even if you keep up Fortnite and all these other games that people play constantly, if there's not ever anything new coming out, it's going to slowly die. So you need these indie games and other games that are made on Unity and other engines to continue to be made I, I just wonder, like, uh, there's somebody, there's a developer that that mentioned that Unity is run by developers, and that did no one ever ask any of the actual developers at Unity what they well, would, what other developers yeah. would think about this? Like, <laughs> I mean, he can say Unity is run by developers, but you know, Mark Witten is there, and then you know, the CEO of Unity is John Riccatello, and we all know how yeah. how developer friendly he was when he was at EA, so. Yeah, it's like, that's the thing. It's the figureheads thinking about how can we make money and then don't think about how does this affect the actual developer. So you brought up, yeah, yeah. when you're talking about this, you brought up two, an interesting point of like it costs, they they claim it costs them money to like install games. And it's like, how does that, how does that happen? Or how, you know, what the fuck are you talking about? Well, it has like, to run the executable every time. Yeah. Right? Every time but it's not like, hey, I run, you know, I'm running Half-Life 2. It's a drain on Valve servers whenever I run the game. Like that doesn't happen. Not, that doesn't well, happen. It, any it's other. only during the install, apparently, because you don't. They it doesn't. I guess it doesn't cost them to run the uh, executable once you already install the game. I don't know what the big thing is because it has to install. It has to install the executable. So then, therefore, it's then every time you run the game, it runs executable, right? So, but no. It's not yeah. like I don't think Unity has like a storefront. No, it doesn't. It's just a game yeah. So it's right. like okay, I, I buy a game through Steam, 
Why the fuck would is it charging Unity anything? Well, it's not charging. It's like something has to do with the the actual executable, like having to the yeah. more games that are made with it, the more games that are installed with it. That means the more it's reaching a certain threshold where they have to keep putting something to keep but having like, the yeah that yeah I, I understand what you're saying, but it's like that doesn't happen with any other program or service or anything. Yeah, you know, like I can understand them counting, like if they had some like weird counter system where it's like, oh, we we can see ten ten thousand people installed the game, or you know, because right. that's probably how they track metrics about like how popular a game is. I mean, aside from just like sales, but like it doesn't cut. Like it's not like a resource drain or anything. You know, yeah. what they're claiming. Oh, no, it's probably not. I don't know what they're they're looking at that's saying this is a, a resource drain or, or whatever the thing is. It's them just trying to make money off the fact that they know PC players and console players will constantly delete things and then reinstall them, Yeah. right? Uh, even though they're saying it's only the initial install now that's going to cost money, uh, it still doesn't help because, again, like... I don't see PlayStation or Xbox wanting to pay Unity some kind of fee no, that, to have the game on PS Plus or Game Pass. That, that'll never happen. Yeah, like yeah. They'll, they'll, yeah, good idea of fucking uh, around with Microsoft and Sony's lawyers. Like, <laughs> how how much do you th- like? There's the, I forgot which developer said it in here that all these quotes that are in here. We're not gonna focus on. We're gonna delay DLC. We're gonna delay doing things for the game. Because that means somebody's going to install the game again, right? Uh, somebody's going to buy the game again because we have DLC now. Yeah. Like, that's the thing. You're you're actually hurting the games that are on your engine instead of helping. So I don't know what you could really do if you're a Unity uh, to make this work for everybody. Um, maybe talk to people more and not just announce something like this. But, I... yeah examine your business model and figure out i mean i understand that they have like a code base that they need to keep kind of keep updating although i've heard like other developers like really bitching about unity that yeah unity you know, also wasn't going through a a good yeah, time right now either basically yeah. since like really tell it took over that like it's kind of fallen by the wayside or you know it's a and it's like yeah that that tracks i guess <laughs> um right but yeah examine that problem but I mean, yeah, it's just like a way to torture your business in like two days. <laughs> yeah, what a way to make people really, really just a day. I mean, this all just broke yesterday. So. Exactly. Um, well, it broke like the day before, and then the next morning they had already issued one backtrack. Yeah. So it, this isn't good. There's already like I think Godot Engine already came out and was like, "Hey, look, we're free and yeah. open source," and like. You know, uh, I'm sure Unreal is probably going yeah, to. Yeah, that's how a lot of people this. going to like talking about Unreal Engine Five. I mean, because that's not free, but you know, well, technically, it, I guess it is. But it's like, right, yeah, but they re- get a big revenue share for right. Yeah, but but also, it's like if you pay for an engine, that should kind of be it. You know, exactly. You pay your monthly fee or whatever. Like a lot of developers said, I don't mind paying my monthly fee. You know, that's just part of it. But and then them canceling like basically yeah. like the mid-tier option so it's like now you it's like it's like with ps plus or it's like now you either basically have the essential option 
or the, the premium, like the super premium one, which is like three thousand dollars more. <laughs> it's like, right. It it just this is not. It doesn't make any sense at all. Um, you know they they said that somewhere they said that that somehow this is better than charging uh, the revenue share, which everybody else does. It's like there's a reason why everybody else does that. Because it's the agreed upon thing that works for everyone. Like you don't yeah. need to go try and and do something new when there's a reason nobody else is really trying to do this because you don't need to upset the apple cart in this way. Like, you know, it's 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 crazy that a game that's loved like Cult of the Lamb, the developer, massive monster has to come out and be like, We're deleting the game on January first because of this. Or I'm, like, sure, you know, I'm sure it'll be like the whole delist the game, but then you know, Cult of the Lamb, you know, Prayer Edition or something stupid like that'll come out, and it'll just be like UE five, and you know, yeah, here's, here's a reloaded version, probably. <laughs> and I'm gonna, and that's the thing. You're gonna get a lot of people that are gonna do exactly what Interslaw said that we're just gonna pay to get, remove our game from Unity, and then you're gonna see a lot, lot less, less, less people make their game with Unity, and the people that were already upset with Unity. Uh, are just going to be like, oh well, we're never using this again. Right? Yeah, I give it a, I give it a week to two weeks before they just totally one eighty, like you said. Yeah, uh, because this is not, this doesn't help anyone, and it's stupid. So, hopefully, uh, that's the good news that we get at some point that we're talking about them backtracking uh, on this. But that's kind of like been the, uh, I guess, the biggest like breaker uh, of news. This last time we did the show, yeah. there's some other things here, uh, as well as you know, we we talked about Embracer with their the two million two billion dollars that they lost and that they shut down Volition last week. Yep. Now they're wanting to sell Gearbox, well, of course, the people that make Borderlands, uh, Tiny yeah, Tina's Wonderlands, all that. You know, good 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 strategy right there. <laughs> um, Supposedly, that's just one of the options, according to three people familiar with the matter, according to VGC and Bloomberg, which saw an email that uh, Gearbox remains part of Embracer, but they're also thinking about going independent, possibly, or trying to, or just keeping Gearbox and not selling them at all. But, you know, they acquired Gearbox uh, like two years ago for $1.4 billion, uh, which, you know, that's kind of nothing compared to them, you know, acquiring Lord of the Rings later. Right. But yeah, it's like I, yeah. I, I would probably try to be divesting myself of that nonsense rather than a somewhat proven developer. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but I mean, for them, they probably think, okay, Lord of the Rings is going to make them more money in the long run if they can get something to hit. Right. They're um, wrong, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but but I mean, also what like I know Gearbox publishes some indies and things like that. But I mean, don't when don't you also run the risk of like, isn't Borderlands going to hit a wall at some point? And that's kind of like the only thing that they do well. Like I know they had the movie coming, whenever that is coming. Uh, I mean, they had but, a game coming out soon that uh, home that Homeworld three, I think. Uh, well, uh, and they used to have other franchises. Like, well, um, what you recall with that? Uh, MMO, what was it? The Battleborn. Yeah, about a war and that thing got no, shut down. Yeah. It's gone. Yeah. But they used to have Brothers in Arms, and you know, that did okay. Right. And like Gearbox actually kind of used to be like a port studio, like way back in the day. Uh didn't they also make that launch game for the PS5? 
the one that was exclusive and then not exclusive. Uh, uh, dang it. I can't think of it right now. Doesn't look like but, it. Uh, yeah, I, it's weird because like... Godfall, we, didn't they make Godfall? Oh, yeah, that's yes, they, It's published by Gearbox, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, it's just weird because it's like Embracer has a whole bunch of other studios that haven't made shit or, you know, you probably wouldn't even know that they're owned But then the thing is, like, who wants them, right? Are you just going to shut them all down? I would. I hate to say it, but, I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't have closed Volition either because it's like they're having a real rough rough patch, but, you know, they used to make great games. Uh, but, yeah, this, this thing is, like, weird because, like, they – it's not like Gearbox was small or – Yeah. Uh, uh, I mean – I think the problem with Gearbox is they aren't super uh, prolific, or they're not. You know, they they basically make a game like every th- every three years, and it's like that's not the greatest pipeline, or it's you know, yeah, it's it's not. But like, I also understand that what they're looking for is somebody that will give them something close to what they paid for Gearbox, right, right? and. Get recouping some of that money that they didn't get from the savvy games group thing failing. But who's uh, gonna? I mean, realistically, who's gonna do that? I don't see like Microsoft or Sony paint, ponying up for that for a Gearbox. Yeah, I, I don't see Take Two like trying to re-add them. Right. So, and there's really not that many other people out there looking. Like, right. Let's be let's be honest. Unless Amazon or uh what apple or that like gets in the mix yeah or uh, tencent right yeah unless tencent could do it i guess they like just putting money into things and and seeing it grow or whatever maybe that would be the best thing for gearbox if they want to kind of have a little semblance of independence just be like hey tencent can you just invest in us and and we'll make another borderlands or we'll do something else or make another tiny tina's or whatever the heck that is that they uh want to continue doing but i I just that's the thing is like there's not a lot of people out there just going and wanting to just buy studios and could i see maybe microsoft if they ever get this thing over the line where they're they're done um they're done with the activision blizzard thing and they can go back to purchasing things um maybe yeah because uh, they, doubt it. You know, they mean, like shooters and stuff like that, but yeah, but I think they have enough on you know they have enough on their and uh, I mean they're gonna be trying to wrangle act all the Activision crap. So well, they, oh, and they also publish Remnant too. Yeah, I mean that's the thing is Gearbox takes the yeah. they have a better. I think their publishing track record is way better than fucking uh, Embracer groups. <laughs> yeah, that, that's the thing too. Like. I know that the publisher, right, that doesn't mean uh, that they would get... I don't know if that would mean that those game series also go with the whoever buys them. Right. But, yeah, like you said, other than Homeworld 3, that's kind of like the only thing they're working on right now, and I know for a while... Well, they're not even um, doing it. I mean, you know, they're just publishing it. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. They're publishing it, and they also had to do it through crowdfunding. It's not like they... You know, yeah. just funded the money themselves. So, I mean, yeah, like they don't have a new, like they didn't even have like a new announced game. You have to, you have to assume it's going to be something Borderlands related, but it's like, right. 
that franchise is a bit long in the tooth as it is. Yeah, they uh, even tried to bring back the Tales from Borderlands 2, and that thing came out, and then no one talked about it. Right. Uh, Tiny Tina had some traction for a while. Yeah, but, you know, it's a, it's a, again, it's a thing of, like, yeah, no one's talking about it, or, you know, that I know. Yeah, I mean, the, the most you hear people talk about Borderlands now is when you try to compare it to other games that are coming out now. Right. Like, I've heard a lot of Starf- Borderlands comparisons with Starfield, actually. Uh, so... You know, and that's that's whether that is your flight of fancy or not. That's something else. But I can see somebody buying them. I don't think it's going to be right away. I think we're gonna we're gonna find out about it later. Like this might actually be a decent grab for Sony, who again needs people that are familiar with shooter games. Um, yeah, but it's gonna be for one point nine billion or whatever. You know. <laughs> yeah, and and maybe not. You know. If you're still looking to do things that are not live service, because they have Destiny and Dest and and uh, uh, Bungie is tra- is the one in charge of all these live service games that they're gonna put out now. But if you want to yeah. have a company that is very that has a franchise that you know you can put it out and it does numbers and people will flock to it and it doesn't have to be live service, uh, it is a something to think about. You know, so that's that's the thing too is who would want it. I could see both of the, the two big ones going to get it. Other than that, unless Tencent just wants to invest to keep them independent, I guess they could do oh, that. Man. It's gonna be Nintendo. They're gonna they're gonna end up with it. And that would be interesting. I wonder what it would take for Nintendo to to get into this, to get into this race of of like buying something that they don't already own. Like we've seen them buy studios that they already kind of do business with. Right. Um, but like what would it take for them to go grab somebody that just like out of the blue, hey, we're we did a deal with them. Yeah. Like, you know, would they ever do it? It'd be interesting to see if they ever did. So moving on from that here, um, you know, this was like this past week was like the launch week for Starfield, even though yes, it came out previous to, to September sixth. Um and really, the, this whole thing with everybody getting early access now, it's like, I agree with Dan Stapleton that they should change the release dates to match when the, with the early access version, because that's when the game came out. When you already yeah. come out with a version that people can buy, that's when the game came out, not September 6th or whatever. But anyway, the whole point is that uh, it is doing well for Microsoft. They had six uh, million... Yeah, six million players in one day. Uh, don't know if they're going to break the record that Forza Horizon Five has, but they're getting close. Apparently, it is selling consoles in the UK and uh, the US as well. So that's what you want, right? They want these AAA games that will sell consoles, uh, and it looks like Starfield is doing that. It's getting people to get into the ecosystem, which is what they want, uh, and that's good for. Starfield, even though the like we talked about last week, the the like critical ratings are kind of like all over the place uh, for the game, and this also led to people saying, "Hey, we love this Bethesda game. What's going on with the next Bethesda game?" Which, of course, we know is Elder Scrolls Six. And once again, Phil Spencer's a little bit coy about, "Hey, uh, is this thing going to be exclusive too?" And he says again, the whole case by case basis thing. Um, he said, you know, when they first saw Bethesda that because games that have legacy on other places might be considered, uh, which 
perhaps Elder Scrolls Six gets considered for PlayStation because it it does have a legacy on PlayStation, right? Um, but again, like he said during the court thing, this is way out there. So I would base it off of: Are they doing well at the time that they're finally figuring out what the release, what systems this is going to release on? Because it's definitely not going to release on PlayStation. I mean, if it comes out on a PlayStation Five and an Xbox Series, it's going to be way at the end of that console's life cycle. So, yeah, uh, we're talking probably about more like a PlayStation Six or Xbox, whatever the hell that thing is going to be called. Are they doing well enough at that point where maybe they just be like, ah, oh, you know what? Why not put it on PlayStation? You know, get the most money we can for this thing. Right. Uh, or will they still be in the the cadence of oh everything Bethesda has to be exclusive, you know all that. So, which is interesting because then Todd Howard also says even though Pete Hines and Bethesda have said before that they, you know they wish the games could be on PlayStation, they had the the emails that went back and forth with Microsoft about oh why is this game can be on both systems and then why why can't our games be on both systems right. Yeah. Um that Todd Howard said that the game Starfield is better because it's only being made on Xbox and PC. Right? Um I don't know. What do you think about that? He's saying basically that because you know the hardware, you know that what you have to make it for, you don't have to kind of try to make it work on numerous consoles. Do you think he has a point here or No, cuz like it's not there are some differences between the consoles, but it's not huge or you know and i'm sure they they have a ps5 development kit around there somewhere uh i do kind of i guess i would kind of more subscribe to his to his initial his other statement of like oh because you know older scrolls has been on other you know playstation before we'll put it on this one uh that holds more traction for me i guess because you know starfield technically is a new ip uh and same with you know redfall yeah um and I think it would actually be dumb if they didn't put, you know, Elder Scrolls Six on PS5. I also do too, but I can also see if if they still haven't had a lot of hits from some of the other stuff, um, that they could say, okay, we need to make this exclusive to get people to just like Starfield to buy the console or. That, or, that yeah. here here's the thing is that also presumes that Elder Scrolls Six is going to be good. <laughs> like, well, I mean. I would hope so, right? Like that could literally be the last game that Todd Howard ever works on. I think he would want it to be good. Yeah, um, I mean, he he was one to say, "Oh, you know, Starfield is game of the generation." Yeah, that seven out of ten game of the generation, huh? Yeah, I don't know about that. Uh, there are people saying that, but I don't. That's definitely this is definitely not so, uh, one of those. I I do wonder if, like, you know, again, we're getting we're talking about the next consoles. Like, where is Microsoft going to be with that? Or Let's say that there's a lot more Game Pass adoption at this point. Like, do they actually consider not having a console? And then do you do it because you know for sure it's going to sell on the PlayStation 6 or or whatever? So it would be an interesting thing to think about when we actually get there if if that does happen. Um, yeah, I, I do think that he's right about the whole part where you can now associate Starfield with Xbox, right? Like what happens with the PlayStation games that get made on only on PlayStation or Final Fantasy 16 and Final Fantasy 7 Remake, for example, you associate, associate those with PlayStation, right? Yeah. So I get what he's saying there. 
if you keep things on the console, then when you think about Starfield, immediately Xbox, right? Right now, because of the way your laptop is, I already knew when the game came out, oh man, I can't even think about buying it for Mark because he doesn't have an Xbox series, whatever. So right. I, it sucks in that way, but I get it. Like he mentions the whole people think of Switch when when you think of Zelda, right? So uh, could Starfield be that for them? Could it be another thing? It definitely is a Bethesda game. It has a lot of the Bethesda things in it, no doubt on that. But we'll see down the line what happens with that. Yeah. Speaking of things that we should have known, we we should know already at this point when we talk about Square Enix and something that has to do with sales. What's the next three word, next four words that come out of your mouth come out of the mouth after that? Did not meet expectations. Well, lo and behold, Final Fantasy Team did not meet the high end of the company's expectations. These expectations yeah. just are something else with Square Enix. Um. To be fair, they did put a lot of money into Final Fantasy 16. Uh, they tried to westernize it, like make it more for a Western audience, use the Game of Thrones stuff uh, or aspects of it. Uh, how much of that do you think when you compare it to Final Fantasy 15? Is it because it's only on PlayStation 5? Uh, I guess some, but I mean, are you asking like, should it rather be on PS4 or should it be on Xbox? On both, right? If it was on PS4 and then also on Xbox, wouldn't have made more money, right? We still have a lot of people in Japan that don't have a PS5. So have right. a lot of think, people here that don't have that. I think the PS4 one makes a little more argument because, like, Square has never really supported Final Fantasy on the Xbox. Like, yes, well, Final there, Fantasy 15 was on there. Yeah, but you have to imagine that if it sold well, that people would. That they wouldn't have made it exclusive, or wouldn't have taken Sony's money to make Final Fantasy 16 exclusive. And you know, well, it's of, probably one of those where they offered it to both of them, and Sony gave them more money, and they said, "Okay, well, we'll just take Sony's money and make it exclusive." Right? They 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 also already had the deal with Final Fantasy VII remake, so yeah, who knows on that? They had a deal with Final Fantasy 14 until just now, right? Uh, so like, well, that's what I mean. It's like, yeah, yeah. like, uh. And you know, think about like Final Fantasy uh, 13, like that came out on both consoles, PS3 and Xbox 360. But the three the 360 version was screwed up heavily. <laughs> Wasn't it? I thought it was exclusive to the 360 for a while. No, it came out on both. The 361 came on like multiple discs because yeah, you know, right. not a Blu-ray. But like the 361 had like bad frame rate issues and yes. like the CGI was like not as good like the resolution wasn't as good because it's like yeah yeah square just did like a basic ass port of final fantasy 13 like there you go yep so it's interesting you know they also kind of blame the avengers stuff here and were spoken yeah Uh, i mean they haven't had a ton of hits uh well the hits they do have are small yeah well like they're modest but it's like they expect the world it's like yo yeah. Until you release Final Fantasy VII Remake 2, or whatever the hell that thing is called. Like, don't get your hopes up. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's the thing, too, right? Is that it didn't even meet the Final Fantasy VII Remake numbers. It got close, but it didn't meet them. And then also, that's where the PS4 could have come in to play is that Final Fantasy VII Remake was released very close to when the pandemic started. 
where we had the lockdown, which made people buy more games. And then it was on PS4. Yeah. Uh, so the, which is the cost of what people had. So, uh, and then it came out to PS5 later. So that, like, that's the thing is if you, if you had it out on both, yes, it suffers in quality as far as like the graphics and everything else. Um, is that matter more to you than the sales? And that's something that's where Enix apparently at first thought was better. Uh, maybe they thought there was going to be more PS5 sold at that point. Also, uh, I remember that until this year, really, it wasn't that they're just now yeah. madly available. And that also, like, we got to remember that we're in like an economic downturn. So it's not like people are just going out in droves buying PS5s. And I think also we kind of have a backlash to things that keep you in the home right now because we had so much time we were in the house because of the pandemic. Right. Uh, people are spending more on like traveling and via cars, transportation, other things that are more quote unquote fun than being in the house, you know, playing a game. So I don't think you have that casual appeal, not Final Fantasy's niche, but still you don't have that casual necessarily appeal. Um, like a Zelda, Mario, or a Grand Theft Auto Call of Duty bring um, that you do with Final Fantasy. So th- th- I think Square Enix needs to also think about that. Uh, interesting also what people have been di- we've said this a bunch of times I don't we are, I don't want to rehash it here but flooding the market with unfinished bad or untested games is a bad move oh no doubt no duh Tokyo based developer and gamer Michael Prefontaine yes we've said that a bunch of times just yeah. putting out a slew of titles in a whole six month span without any marketing I don't know that's not going to help you Right. Look, they, they uh, Square Enix and uh, Sony, for the most part, did a hell of a lot of marketing for Final Fantasy 16. Not, not putting. They did their job for Final Fantasy 16. It's just, dude. I mean, like I, you know, once you get burned by a company, um, there was also the whole Final Fantasy 16 isn't my Final Fantasy thing. A lot of people didn't buy it because it wasn't turn based or. There was a lot of people that bought it because it was not turn-based also. It's just, I don't know. Um, I don't think we need to be blaming all Square Enix's woes on Final Fantasy 16 not doing God numbers. I know they wanted God of War numbers, but you weren't going to get that. I don't think you were ever going to get that, quite honestly, when you're on one system only. Right. That's, that's, that's just so hard. They had to put PS4 numbers for God of War to Ragnarok to hit that number. So I think it's just kind of unfair. I don't know where Screen is gets this this whole media expectations thing and, and what this really means. I know this is a report. It's not necessarily we haven't heard from Square Enix themselves say that. But I don't know. I do agree that they need better quality control. That is their biggest problem. They have really bad quality control. And they're letting these creative heads get too big and then once they start making the game, they don't know how, they don't have a way to tell them, yo, y'all need to pivot. Y'all need to do something else. This needs to be smaller. This you can't have this in here. Uh it's gonna confuse people. I don't I don't know necessarily. Um, but that's the thing. You have like Nomura on here doing Kingdom Hearts 4, and we know how that goes. That game's gonna take forever to get made. Uh just the way that he makes games. You got Final Fantasy VII remake. You got all these remakes supposedly in development also. What happens when those don't pan out other than Final Fantasy VII? 
I hope not. Like I really would like to see a ten and nine remake or whatever. Two of my favorite Final Fantasies, but I don't know. Mark's just. I mean, yeah, yeah Square is kind of in a rough place, and they keep coming out with crap that no one cares about, or that's yeah, like you said, mediocre, like that ever crisis thing. It's like who, who asked for this? I think that's fine. It's a way for them to make money. I don't think that's the problem. But I think it's stuff no, like it's it's because yeah. those closed down in six months. Like they, you know. Like that Final Fantasy VII Battle Royale thing they did like last year on mobile. Like No, that thing I do agree with. That thing was not I, I think this is okay in a way because if you it's not like those other ones don't make money for them, the Brave Exvius and Mobius one and all that. I mean, those things are still getting content, so they must be making money for them. I think this is just this was made in that same way, uh, with using Final Fantasy VII as a way to get people to oh hey, it's another way to make what play Final Fantasy 7 and, and Final Fantasy 7 Crisis Core and I don't necessarily think that's the worst decision. I do think things like having uh Deal Field Chronicles, Star Ocean, uh that farming game, all that coming out in a six month span. Like, yeah, Harvestella. <laughs> yeah, Harvestella. Like because a lot of the stuff they come out with this year is good. Right? Theater Rhythm was really good. Great even. Uh Octopath Traveler 2 is great. You know, Hawkman 16 is great also. It's just they got to I mean, understand that those Japanese RPGs are not sy- the system sellers they were back in the day. Right. I honestly doubt. I mean, Theater Rhythm was good, but I doubt it was like a huge. No, no. You know, I'm talking about sales-wise. Yeah, if, yeah. if it would hit a million, they would have talked about it. Somebody would have put a press release about it already. Yeah, I love the fact that they're making DLC for it still. You know that Final Fantasy 16 is going to have the DLC and all that stuff. Right. Um, how much more are they going to support it after that? I don't know. Uh, but that's also a way for them to keep making money on that game that doesn't constitute sales. Maybe it's something where like it's already gone on sale. Like maybe it'll make more money when it you know on a sale because it's only a rhythm game at the end of the day. It's not not that. Um, but the other games like are just it's just it's like Sea of Stars. It hits that one market that loves those kind of games, and that's it. You know? Uh yeah, but, but the problem is that market is rapidly dwindling. So yeah, like that's the thing, is it only hits a certain market and it doesn't it it doesn't uh it, it doesn't expand really that much. Like Final Fantasy 14 does great. And if you get people that are gonna go when it hits on Xbox, you're gonna get people that that play the game and get into it and everything else because of all the hoopla and and everybody talking about how great it is. But again, these are games that just don't appeal to a certain audience that and also FF16 doesn't really it doesn't really offer a way for you to keep playing the game. Right. Uh so like it doesn't make people want to. You beat the game and then that's it, right? So listen. Once people, if they've watched the game, played on Twitch, or they had a friend that said they beat the game and they felt this way about it, if it doesn't really move them to want to buy it themselves, they're not going to. It might also be just one of those where seventy dollars is a lot for a game and they might buy it when it's fifty or forty-five or whatever. It's Screens has got a lot of stuff to figure out. Right. For sure. I don't know. I don't know when they're ever going to fix this issue of making too many games, but at least this year it doesn't feel like they made like 
a ton and just shove them out there. Uh, that being said, they are doing this thing that I do like that they've, well, it's not Square Enix, but Square Enix got onto the, uh, the train of putting things on PlayStation Plus when you have another game in the franchise coming out. Uh, they're doing that. I don't know why. I still don't understand this whole what makes something premium and what makes something extra. I thought anything that was PS4 and above was supposed to be part of extra. And then anything that is PS3 and below is premium. But then apparently not. Yeah, I don't even think so, they care. <laughs> like, it's like, so they have one Star Ocean, two Star Ocean games, which are the two most, you know, um, recently released ones. The Divine Force, which is the one from last year that got released in that whole smorgasbord of games that I talked about. And the Star Ocean Integrity and Facelessness, which was actually supposed to be pretty bad. And then the other Star Ocean games uh, that were out on PS4, First Departure R, Till the End of Time, and Last Hope, which is a remaster, are all PS4 games, and they're all premium. So explain this to me, Sony. I don't get this. But I do commend Square Enix for just putting the stuff out there and letting people go and explore part of the Star Ocean franchise for the fee of having PS plus and realizing that before this uh, uh, HD 2d remake that's coming out this year, maybe people will get into it and, and want to buy the remake. I don't know, but I like that. I like when you do things like this. It's, I think it's a good idea. Yeah. Um, and dragon's crown pro, which is on PS4 is apparently premium as well, which the game both of us liked that. I don't understand that either, but whatever. All right. <laughs> But then Odin Spear, Leaf Browser, and 13 Sentinels are part of Extra. Uh, make it make sense, Sony. Make it make sense. Also, New Replicant is also going to be on there. So I never got to play that. So maybe, maybe. I haven't. And I I played like a few hours, but it just it didn't grab me like, uh, you know, the other one did. Yeah, and Automata. Yeah. Yeah. That seemed to be the thing with a lot of people. It didn't grab them like that. Uh, so moving on from here. Let's talk about Nintendo for a little bit, shall we? Nintendo explains the Charles Martinet's ambassador role, and it's very ambassadory. He's going to be traveling the world, talking about how much he enjoys being Mario and trying to get people to love Mario more. And yeah, so anytime they have like a Nintendo event where there's a Mario game present or something that has to do with Mario, He's going to be there, apparently. Yeah. Uh, Sounds about right. Just sign autographs, meet fans. Yeah. And he was at a comic yeah. convention, like, locally a few months ago. Or I think in, like, May around here. Yeah, just meet people and do the Mario voice and have, have him record phone, you know, voice messages and stuff for you. Yeah. Still no announcement about who is taking over. Yeah, we don't. we're probably not going to know that for a while uh, until right. Mario Wonder comes out. And it'll probably just be, like, some stage name or some unknown name but it'll still be chris pratt <laughs> so anyway the i've forgot which i don't know if it's gamescom or which thing that nintendo showed off the switch to at yeah it was gamescom or uh that's the rumor anyway <laughs> so so nintendo basically has been showing off the switch to doing tech demos and apparently it can run the matrix awaken unreal 5 tech demo uh, thanks to that NVIDIA DLSS technology. And yeah. it looks pretty good. It's running pretty good. And also some higher frame rates for Breath of the Wild. 
Uh, it doesn't mean that they're going to re-release Breath of the Wild, but that's good that it is using that DLSS technology. I'm I'm sure they will. Like it, it or uh, Breath of the Wild will be on, or they'll have like a double pack, maybe of both games, and it's like now it's enhanced for Switch Two or whatever. Yeah, it could be. Hopefully, yeah. Hopefully, they're not gonna. I mean, if they charge the ten dollars, I guess whatever. Just hopefully, it's not an insane like recharge that they're doing uh, for that. Uh, I really hope that that does mean that okay, we can have an underpowered switch, but it is going to run closer to like a PS4 Pro, I guess, level or something like that. Maybe that means it can run more of the games. You know, you'd still be having coming out now on PS5 and Xbox Series because that's going to be the problem, right? You're coming out next year. We're already in the middle of the PS4 or it's not PS4, PS5 and Xbox Series being out there, and you're going to be behind them. Like it doesn't matter how awesome the fact that it's portable and that you can have more Nintendo. I yes, they will probably still keep doing what they do. I'm sure that it won't affect them that much. But eventually, not being able to run like the newer third-party games or even the third-party games that came out earlier on the PS5 and series is going to be a problem. Yeah. So if they can still have it come out around the $350, $400 range and the fact that, you know, it still will work and 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 have this whole system still have these game, new games come out is, is good. It makes it to where it'll be worth the investment of the $400 or whatever, instead of at least for two years until yeah. games move past and like they have. Yeah. I don't know, console. but maybe that will make it to where they can keep up with it. Right. It can move it from having the, it can actually be a, a 4k image when you put it on the TV and maybe it'll be 1080p or 14, uh, maybe probably 1080p is the most it could probably do when it's importable. Yeah. But it'll be worth it to put it on your new 4K TV and not look like, I'm sorry, but to, let's be honest. When you put the thing on your TV, sometimes, depending on what game it is, sometimes it actually looks worse. Yeah. There are some pretty grimy stuff in Tears of the Kingdom. <laughs> so, like, that's the problem. Like, most people still, there. well, not most. There's a lot of people that love playing it portable, like me. But then when you still want to put it on your TV and show people, hell, this is the game, or you want to play something with other, somebody else, and it's much easier to put it on your TV, then, you know, you can do that. So, and I just, I hope that it really does what it can. Uh, and it's still mostly a Switch. I know that they said that there's some, like, things they might be trying with it. Uh, they've possibly added some kind of, fluid thing to the joy cons maybe that are going to be on the switch too that could prevent it from doing drift but we'll see uh because not even the dual sense the dual sense has drift also so i don't know if they will have resolved that problem or not yeah um anyway uh so we have some of the things here uh because i have to go and pick up my daughter so we can't spend too much time here but uh, Ubisoft's been having some issues with uh, Skull and Bones losing another creative director. They had to delay X Defiant because yeah. it can't pass the Xbox and PS5 cert- certification tests. Again, another market quality right there. <laughs> uh, Ubisoft's just brother. Um, and honestly, I feel like I'm almost tired of talking about Skull and Bones. And ain't like get to keeps on giving. So it, yeah, it's just somehow they feel like they're still they they can charge seventy dollars for this. I don't 
I don't understand. But, like, this game's going to come out, and I cannot imagine. This is not going to be one of those games that it comes out, and then later they're going to save it. It's right. just not. It's going to come out. Maybe they'll be able to play it, and that's kind of it. At some point, you need to just, I don't know. It's, it feels like it's more of a headache to keep delaying this game and keep, like, having it be there. I don't know. At some point, cut your losses, Ubisoft. Do you need yeah. another thing that comes out that's mediocre? And like really the only thing that you can come out with that has the quality of Assassin's Creed and everything else is just, all right. It's like, I guess that crew Motorfest is going to come out and I wonder what that's going to be. Or well, early uh, access is already there, right? Or Right. I think it just last week or this week or yeah. yeah. I mean, no one cares. Like that's the biggest problem. Yeah. This is their third crew game or yeah, crew game. Really? keep keep doing this huh <laughs> yeah uh well i mean they promised a bunch of stuff with it i guess you, everybody has to feel like they have their their car racing game or whatever but yeah. uh the esa is gonna be doing no e3 for 2024 they're pro- apparently reinventing e3 for 2025 whatever that is um i feel like we've also talked about this a lot i really don't know what they can do when you have summer game fest out there and they're not going away. I I know E3 has a name, but it's just like E3 is something from a time gone by and you already have packs and I don't know, Mark, like what, what can they really do to, you already have something like Gamescom. Like I mean, what can they really do to, to make E3 even be a semblance of what it once was? I think when they pivoted more towards making it more public, that was kind of the downfall. Yeah. That's because it. because then it became, yeah, just like every other event or, you know, so I, I would actually say, go back to like more of the roots of having it be like a more exclusive event if possible. Not that anyone, you know, Hey, I worked at GameStop for six months and I got scammed my way into E3, you know, or whatever. That's my only real suggestion or like real thought on the matter. I, I think they have to do something more like Jeff does. You cannot yeah. charge people for this having this huge ass booth there and trying to nickel and dime people constantly and and charge so much just to show up at Ether. I mean, like, listen, people already pay a ton for the airfare and the hotels and everything else. You're gonna charge the press to go. You know, they don't charge them to go there, but it's like um, all the developers and everybody else, like, they get charged so much just to go there. Yeah, and you gotta lessen that, make it more open for them to be able to go to that, and then yes, do make it more of a press thing like Summer Game Fest, and just hey, make it feel like exclusive. Maybe you need to move it out of June, also. Maybe you need to make it not a summer thing. Maybe make it a spring thing. Right. I don't know. The fall obviously is just there's too much going on. Um, and you can't do the end of summer because Gamescom's already there. Like maybe it needs to be like a spring thing before Summer Games Fest, and it's more of like a preview of the things that are going to be coming way down the line. And uh, you know, you and and there's a little bit of time between E3 and Summer Game Fest. You just can't have especially what Summer Game Fest is, where it's not necessarily that whole week or whatever. And uh, you need to have, like, space between all these 
big events. They cannot right. be against each other because your force developers have to pick between one or the other. And now Summer Game Fest is more established. Now Summer Game Fest is the thing that people go and tune in for. Uh, you want to make E3 that again, you have to do it before and not make it, you're not competing anymore. You need to just be a th- another big event that's in the industry, but you have the name E3 and then make it more developer friendly because the 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 thing if you're going to still do the same thing that you've been doing that's the whole reason people stop doing E3 yeah because it cost them too much to do E3 and summer game fest was cheaper and they yeah. can still do their digital events and all that stuff that they do just E3 needs to do that I feel like I don't know uh a couple more things really quick Sims 5 is going to be free to download because now Sims 4 is free to play so you can and free to download dying everyone to death yeah, exactly <laughs> Exactly. Uh, Daytona 2, USA 2, which was never released here in the U.S., um, is possibly going to appear in the uh, Like a Dragon Gaiden game as Sega Racing Classic 2 in order to avoid right issues. Um, they had to release like a different version of Daytona USA on the Dreamcast 2001, so that's why that never got released. Uh, there's always been cool Sega games and the Yakuza games before, so are you excited to the ton of USA 2 did come out over here, but just the arcade, you know, version. Yeah. Uh, you know, Sega sold have, their arcade, yeah, business stuff. like last yeah. year or whatever. I mean, it's a shame I won't have that song, but you know, it'll still be good. Yeah, all right. Uh, anything else you no nope. wanted to discuss here? Um, also, that Gargoyles HD remaster now has a release date. Uh, that, I mean, October it looks cool, so. but like that game was ass, I thought. When I played it as a kid, so yeah, like it, it's one of those like really hard, pla- like it's not even a platformer. It's like a you know brawler, but the movement is just really wonky, wonky. Yeah, for sure. It's um, gonna be interesting how that gets received. I think. Yeah. Uh, at least the they're not making the port cost a gazillion dollars or whatever. It's and I think the fair. guy, I think the guy actually added more, maybe more voice work, but I'm not quite sure. Yeah. So that's cool. And it like one of the limited run things is it comes with the Genesis cart, which is neat. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's cool too. It, it comes with like a clam showcase, like the VCR. Yeah, uh, as well, which is cool. Um, all right, so just going into games that are coming out this week, I said uh, Gumbrella comes out is out today. So is Gravity Oddity, uh, as well, which is uh, another cool like indie game that's coming to everything. Gumbrella is only PC and Switch. Treachery and Beatdown City Ultra Remix. I know that was uh, Alex Navarro's like big game of the year. Yeah. One year as well. Uh, the Pokemon Scarlet and Violet DLC, the first one, the Teal Mask comes out today as well. Uh, so I'm sure there's a lot for people to play there. The Baton Kaitos HD Remaster 1 and 2 comes out next week. Or not next week, sorry, uh, tomorrow. Uh, the AK Zoloti also comes out this week as well uh tomorrow that dune spice wars game comes out on pc tomorrow that monster hunter mobile game comes out tomorrow as well that inspector gadget comes out game comes out tomorrow right um yeah there's a a lot of stuff uh coming here that gloomhaven game comes out on the 18th which looks interesting uh lies of p and mortal kombat 1 are also out on the same day, even though I think Mortal Kombat 1 has early access, like on the 15th yeah, or something did. like that. I mean, yeah. So uh, NASCAR Arcade Rush also 
comes out. That crew motor fest also comes out. So uh, a lot of stuff between now and then uh, yeah. for you to sink your teeth into. And party animals also will be coming out by the time we do a show again. So, and that party animals game looks so much fun. Uh, that's on Game Pass as well. Uh, so is Les Pete. Yeah, Les Pete just came out. I mean, the reviews just hit today. They're all pretty positive. Pretty positive. Yeah, a lot of people were saying like might be one of the most fun uh, Souls games yeah. out there. So that's positive as well. But all right. Uh, so hopefully you've enjoyed this episode of the show. Uh, we'll be back next week around this time. Uh, if you like, subscribe, follow, you'll find whenever we do a show, uh, whether that's on the YouTube channel, the Two Network, or just find us on the podcast, uh, Video Games to the Max. Uh, go check out our other stuff as well, the Roger Broadcasting folks, Dr. Kiki, all that. Uh, chat to select, and we'll see you all later, everybody. Later.